Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Houston Phillips grew up in East Tennessee, figuring out how to write and sing by ear, and has turned that into a great career. With big cuts and hit singles by acts as diverse as Tyler Farr, Jason Aldean, Aaron Lewis, Colt Ford, and a bunch more. I met Houston about five years ago when I was on the road with FGL, and he was tour managing Tyler Farr. He now spends his days writing country songs, getting more and more into production, and being the best husband and dad he can be. Here's a good dude, Houston Phillips. Thanks for doing this, Houston. I really appreciate it. Shoot, thanks for having me, man. It's an absolute, absolute honor, man. Well, I know you were born in Cleveland, Tennessee, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huge UT fan. I knew that from the first time I met you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a decade to be a UT fan, huh? No. <laughs> hey, man, I'm, an, I'm from Nebraska. Believe oh, me. Oh, nice. We've had nice. the good and the bad and yeah, the ugly. I hear you. I hear you, man. Well, so are you from a musical family? Uh, yeah, so um, it, it's, it's weird, man. It's like everybody has their own path, you know, and uh, my grandma, uh, she taught me how to play a couple chords on guitar when I was real little. And then I just, you know, I thought it was just something granny did when I was little. And then fast forward to about 15 years old, you know, I'm sitting by a piano one day, bored at my grandmother's house. And, and there was a song on the radio or whatever. And I just, it's actually this piano right here. I, I actually got it from my grandma oh, when she passed. And, uh, I just started hitting notes. And then I realized that one matched the note that was in the song, you know. And then fast forward an hour later, I had figured out the song by ear. And that's when I kind of knew that, that there was something there. But I yeah, didn't really yeah. take it serious, man. You know, if, if you knew the, the 16-year-old Houston, I was NBA bound, bro. Like, there was nothing stopping me <laughs> from playing in the finals that just ended last night with Jimmy and LeBron. Like, I was going to be there. Right. And – um it turns out uh, I'm a little too short, a little too slow uh, uh, to do that. Uh, I found that out uh, going into college. So uh, music kind of picked back up. You know, I just kind of taught myself guitar. Uh, I took those three or four chords, which turns out in country, that's the same three or four chords in every song. <laughs> so it worked out. Thanks, Granny, uh, if you got a capo. But uh, – <laughs> But, yeah, I just kind of, you know, songs we'd hear on radio, you know, bonfires, things like that. You pick it up, you like yeah. covers, just like everybody else, you know. And and uh, crazy story, man. My my dad is a, is a car man. He's a car salesman and manager. And he sold a guy a car by the name of Mark Gray. And uh, it's not the Mark Gray we know. But okay. uh, it's uh, he was an old songwriter, man. He wrote, like, uh, Take Me Down for Alabama, Closer You Get. Um, oh, some man. of those songs he was the lead singer exile for a while oh yeah i know him and he had kind of just left the music scene he was living on lookout mountain at the time and uh my dad's bragging on me you know oh my son can play by ear but what he's like oh really bring him over the house let's, let's see what he's got you know so i go over to the house and i'll never forget it man i played him like i wrote like five songs at the time i played him a song and he goes oh man he said that's not very good but i think you got something there you know <laughs> never forget it 
told me it wasn't very good, but I think there's something there. So, dude, for uh, a year and a half, I go there day after day after day after my classes, and he taught me the art of, of songwriting, the craft, wow. and how to do it. And um, and about a year and a half in, he just kind of looks at me and goes, I think you're ready to make that move. I think you're ready for Nashville. So I enrolled at Belmont, finished my last two years at Belmont, did summer school, did everything I could to graduate on time. And, uh, yeah, and then the story just continues from there. But that was how I kind of got into it. So how did – did you – when you were learning with Mark Gray and stuff, did you have musical heroes or influences, or were you just kind of just soaking it in and just trying to be your own guy from day one? Man, I was soaking it in, but at a young age, Michael Jackson was my hero, man. Oh, like, okay. Golly, I loved all his stuff. I knew every word to everything, which which really helped moving into country because I wasn't geared just towards Waylon or Willie. You know, right. like like I had those guys, and I loved Johnny Cash was always my favorite. I loved I loved the tone of his voice, but um, but yeah, man, I loved I loved all the Motown acts, man. That was and still to this day, my son's three. And we listened to a ton of Motown and uh, wow. a lot of Christian music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's what it was what I kind of am instilling in him right now. He does praise and worship. Like last night, we did a little concert. at the microphone. He's got the guitar and he's doing praise and worship music and That's just awesome. getting just instilling that little little bug in him. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, heroes were were a lot of the the Motown heroes. Man, the Four Tops, the Temptations, Michael Jackson, Jackson Five guys like that um quincy jones you know anybody that quincy jones worked with i I studied you know it's crazy uh but that was that was kind of a thing and quincy's probably still one of my biggest heroes because i love producing too he's got a little bit of a track record huh yeah man i mean you you just yeah i feel like when god gives you a gift uh you're kind of doing him a disservice not to expand amen into everything, man. If you're a guitar player and you just play country, you, you're taking that gift and you're really just limiting a gift yeah. that's been given to you. You should be able to play cha-cha, everything. Just yeah. everything that you want to – salsa, any kind of music that you would never really listen to, you should be able to play it all, man, because that's a gift. Dude, I also think right now with, with YouTube and everything, you know, Amy always laughs at me because, like, when I was trying to learn Stevie Ray Vaughan licks and Van Halen licks yeah. – I, I, my brother and I, we would we knew exactly how many quarters and nickels and dimes to put on the stylus on the record player to slow it down a whole octave. So I, then oh, yeah. I could kind of figure it out. But now, man, with YouTube, man, you can go on there and get 75 versions of anything you want, any style of music you want. So you're absolutely right. It's it's especially now with this COVID thing, man. It's 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 hard to waste time and not just get into stuff like that. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I kind of am glad that you know when I was growing up, you you could do some of that, but but it was a lot harder than it is now. You couldn't just jump on your phone and do it, you know. Yeah. The internet was just coming around. Facebook was just coming around when I was in college, you know that type of thing, and uh, it forced me to learn inversions. You know, it forced yeah. me to learn scales and things like that, which I'm I still use today, obviously. Well, and also, like, like you were laughing about, you know, putting a capo on your grandma's piano and stuff. I think your your edge capo, I always called capo a cheater. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's handy as heck, especially right and where you're going to be playing the same four chords all day long. But, well, what was your major at Belmont? 
Uh, I did music business, um, okay. but I did an emphasis in songwriting too. So I took all the classes with Tom Douglas and James Elliott and stuff oh, like okay. that. Um, but I did music business just because, man, business was always kind of like my thing, you know, which, which helped, man, because when I did all the internship, you know, I interned with Wiseman. I interned at, uh, at uh, Broken Bow at the time. And, okay. and I made a lot of relationships back then that I still are, are – are still good relationships now, you know? Um, so I'm glad I did that. And I didn't just gear towards songwriting. I wanted to have, I wanted to have the, the bachelor of business administration degree to always fall back on. Yeah. Um, Well, it helps you doing contracts and everything else. hundred percent, man. I was signing the sync licenses and things like that as an intern, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. So you were doing a bunch of, okay. I met you when you were tour managing Tyler Farr so between yeah. Belmont and Tyler, you were doing all these internships. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was doing the internships and then, um, Chris Young's mother, Becky Harris really kind of, uh, kept me in town because I thought, you know, young green me, I thought, okay, you graduate from Belmont. I'll have a job in a week, you know, right. and, it, and it doesn't work that way. Everybody wants experience. So I would apply for a BMI spot or I would apply for ASCAP or, or a record label or something like that. And I wouldn't get a phone call back, man. Right. And, uh, and I was sitting at, uh, at, at 10 roof, you know, with, with a couple of buddies from, from, um, from Belmont. And one of them had just started working for Becky at her, at her uh, business management company. And Becky just took a liking to me and she said, look, I don't have really a job for you, but, but why don't you come over? We'll work something out. And so, I don't know, for about nine months, I worked three days a week, just vacuuming floors, taking out trash for eight bucks an hour. Damn. But I was in, you know, yeah. like I got to go to the Christmas parties where Lee Bryce and Jared Neiman would come in and people like that. And yeah. I was in, you know, I, I got to meet, start up the whole relationship thing. And after about that nine months came up, Jared needed a merch guy. So they put me on the road with Jared and, and I was his merch guy, and and uh, what really got my career started, man, was was we were on the Dirk Bentley tour when I was selling merch for Jared, and he had a koozie that said Jared Neiman always says real women drink beer, and um, dude, this koozie was out selling Dirk's koozies like he was right. he was just going crazy, and I just came in one night and I said, dude, look at the numbers on this koozie. I said, you need a song in your set, and I didn't say you need to ride with me. I just said you need a song in your set called Real Women Drink Beer. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me kind of funny and he just went quiet. And I was like, Oh hell I'm fired. You know? <laughs> and dude, I don't know, five minutes later or something after dead silence, he just looks at me and he goes, Hey, let's go to the back. I want to ride it with you. And we went back there and I'll be honest with you. He wrote 95% of the whole song yeah. because I was scared to death. Right. Um, but that was my first cut. He put it on his album. Dang. That was my first cut got me my first publishing deal and that whole thing. And it really just kind of jump started everything. And in the meantime, Tyler had just signed his record deal and was coming out and uh, riding our bus, open up acoustic for us on certain shows. Oh man. And that's where I met Tyler. Okay. And uh, then Redneck Crazy starts taking off and he's a tour manager. And as a buddy, buddy thing, he just kind of says, man, I need a tour manager. Would you want to tour manage me? I said, dude, I've, I've never done it, but I know what a tour manager does. I have one. So absolutely. I'll give it a shot. And then, Man, it grew from, you know, no bus to a van to a bus to two buses, two trailers, that whole thing, three number ones later, you know, and, and four cuts in the meantime. Dang. And it's just how it works, 
you know. So you guys were on some massive tours. What were some of your favorite ones that you were on, and and what made them great? Man, they're they're all great. You know, it's um, some of the artists are more more willing to hang out with you than others. Um, of course, the Aldine one, you know, was probably yeah. we were with him for two years solid. So the band, the crew, Jason himself, his wife even down to his kids, you know, we all became real close friends. Um, the Miranda tour is a lot of fun too. Um, yeah. she was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, probably Jason would definitely be, would be the, the most fun. We did a lot of basketball and we had, you know, live nation and, um, you know, all those guys out there. Um, but Jason was probably most hands-on and, 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 got off the bus and played baseball with us or, or played uh, basketball with us, and you got to develop some of those relationships. Uh, FGL was a lot of fun, obviously. Yeah. I knew Tracker and all those guys going into that. Tracker was actually my first tour manager when, uh, with when Chris. I first went out with Chris. Yeah, yeah. he was my first one. And uh, freaking awesome guy. And, 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 yeah, but probably the Jason one, just because we were on there for so long, it was – it was probably the easiest job I'll ever have to this day. You know, you just show up, make sure Tyler gets to meet you on time, and you don't even have to collect a check because it's all wired. You know, right. you just go eat the eat great catering. You go play basketball <laughs> with the guys. You know, and make sure Tyler does his thing. He's good. Okay, that's that's it. You know, but you had to play all those little venues like you know uh, Cincinnati Stadium and stuff. Oh Lord, yeah, man. There was. I'm still not adjusted. I've been on the road five years now. I'm still not, maybe longer than five years, but I've still not adjusted to sleep schedule because you know you play the club. Sometimes you don't even get started till eleven o'clock. Yeah. You know, you're, you're caught your showtime. So, yeah. So when you guys were out with those bands, were you were you doing the get on the bus Wednesday, come home Saturday after the gig, or were you staying out there yeah. and playing clubs and stuff in between? It just depended. Uh, it just depends on like if if we're out west and it's not worth the drive. If you're only off three days and the drive's sixteen hours, yeah, then then you're just going to stay out there and you're going to find a you know Tyler's big in the outdoors. So a lot of times we find a campground to park the bus and we go Yellowstone or we go you know Mount Rushmore or whatever was in the area and we go see a lot of the outdoors and stuff that you wouldn't normally see. And we did a lot of Probably my favorite thing with tires, we did a lot of uh, of Navy and USO tours. You know, we go yeah. overseas and and play for troops. You got got to see Spain, Italy, you know, all those cool places. Um, and, and obviously playing for the troops, you know, they got a big place in my heart. So made a lot of really cool relationships with uh, you know special forces guys and things like that that I still have today. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you get to cash in when you get when you get off the road. You, you do a whole lot of favors for people, right? So famous athletes and things like that. Then we get off the road, you're like, oh, yeah, let's cash in on those baseball tickets. Let's cash Absolutely. in on those NBA, you know? Yes. So that's fun. Or like uh, I did some USO stuff. It's like, you know, is there any chance we could shoot some machine guns? Yeah, 100%. Would you really want to do it? It's like, yeah, we'd want to do that. Come on, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you get a whole bunch of coins from the military guys. Oh, dude, my whole gun safe is full of them. Yeah, full of them. It's crazy, isn't yeah. it? 
everybody it's has great, man. from two star generals that I have down to just mechanics on airplanes and stuff. I don't mean down like they're less important, but it's just right. all points in between, man. That's awesome. hundred percent. Yeah, man. We got to do uh one time we did uh there's at the NRA headquarters in DC, we shot, uh, and they got a gun range underneath yeah, the downstairs. headquarters and we yeah. got, yeah, we did all the, you know, the military grade stuff, fully auto stuff. I got videos of it. We had a ball, man. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. We did that in, in Germany one time. That was so much fun. <laughs> so did you have time to write when you were on the road with Tyler? You know, every artist is different. Some artists just, uh, just, you know, you take a Lee Bryce, for example, and he never stops writing. You yeah. know, um, Tyler's one of those guys that that when he was on the road, he didn't do a ton of writing unless we took a week to do a retreat or something. You yeah. know, like we uh, – when we were working on a sophomore album, we wrote, I think, three cuts out in Arizona. Uh, we took a week, flew some writers out, and, and Tyler was nice enough to include me on that that week, and we would write most of the album then, you know. Yeah. Um, so he was one of those guys that, that that was more focused on his show and having a good time when we were on the road. Um, so we didn't get a lot of writing done unless we designated time to do it. But yeah. it all came from the road. There was never a song that, that I got cut with Tyler that we came back home and wrote. And that was all before he got going. A lot of the first album stuff that we wrote, we were writing in his little garage. He lived above a garage in a little one-bedroom you know, thing. And we wrote a ton of it then because he didn't have a lot going on, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, once we got going and we were in the bus and that type of deal, uh, it was more Xbox than writing. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you guys had a great band out there, man. That was always fun. I always liked watching you guys and listening to you guys. That was fun. Oh, I appreciate that, man. It was a, you know, you trial and error with everybody, you know, yeah. all the way from the bus driver to, you know, to the ear, in-ear guys. Uh, you just filter through and you find the ones that fit. And all but one uh, bass player, all but one that when I was there is still there today with his with his crew. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, man, all the way down to <laughs> the bus driver. Yeah, we, we just filter through and filter through and filter through until you find that, that group that just works, you know, and everybody's yeah. got the same goal, you know. Absolutely. What made you decide to leave the road and go writing full time? Man, it was, uh, it was like, you know, I moved to town to write. That was, yeah. that was my goal. Right. So how you get there, you just kind of figure it out. And, and fortunately for me, I was able to do things within the music business to get me set up to where I, where I felt comfortable, you know, to write. So it was, it was really a matter of time for me, uh, you know, tour managing wasn't, wasn't something that, that was my end game. Yeah. And I felt like it was to the point where, you know, it wasn't fair to Tyler. You know, I was writing so much off the road that I couldn't give 100% to the tour managing job. Sure. So I felt like, hey, man, let me train somebody that wants to do this 100%, you know, because I'm giving you about 70% right now. Yeah. And um, and that's kind of how we, we approached it. And, and it, you know, me and Tyler are still good buddies today. So, uh, yeah, it just – I loved, I loved everybody out there. I love the paycheck that came along with it. But at some point, you know, you're gone 230 days a year. You know how it is, man. You want to yep. start a family and things like that. It's just almost impossible. You know, my hat's off to those guys that can do it because it just wasn't in my DNA to, to be able to be gone that long 
and start the family, you know? And uh, that was it. It's funny now talking to guys and and everybody's talking about Zoom and FaceTime and everything like that. It's like, dude, when I was starting out on the road, there was nothing like that. And find a payphone or a truck stop or a hotel and just hope that your wife was at home when you called. Otherwise, you'd have to just try back tomorrow. Man, that's, that's hard, man. You're right. Hats off to the guys that can handle that. It's very hard, man, especially if you're newlywed, you know, and that yeah. type of deal. You can't even, at least in my situation, I couldn't even really think about kids at the time because yeah. I, I was doing good just to get in a goodbye or goodnight text before she went to bed, <laughs> you know. Like, I couldn't imagine missing out on, you know, kids growing up and things like that. Uh, it, You know, once you get to a certain spot, you know, everybody's dream if you're on the road, whether you're band or artist, is you play – 30 gigs in the summer for big money. And then the rest of the year you're off, right. Yeah. You know, you're flying there and flying back, you're home that, that night, but getting to that point, you know, I just couldn't hang on and, and, and start a family. I just couldn't do it. You have a hard time adjusting to, to being home. I did. I still do. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Uh, cause you know, you love it, you know, you love yeah. being out there and, and that thing. Um, but, you know, you can still jump on the bus and go right now, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I just did that recently with Tyler. I took took a bus, and he rode my bus and another rider, and, and we went out and wrote, and, and it was a lot lot more fun than, than keeping up with everybody yeah. uh, like we used to do before. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you still you get that itch, but, uh, but at the end of the day, man, when kids come in, it just changes everything, you yeah. know. It just uh, – all you want to do, at least in my situation, all I want to do is just be a dad, you know. That's yeah. that's kind of like my priorities have shifted so much. You know, when you grow up and you, you're trying to chase a goal, you know, everything is shifted towards that goal, right? So all your energy, your time, your effort, and now it's like, man, I'm just trying to give this kid the best life I can, yeah. you know. That's that's more of what my mindset is now and, and su- succeed in the meantime, you know. So does he have any interest in uh, hunting and fishing? Dude, he loves it all. You know, he's three. He, <laughs> he's playing basketball. He's playing soccer. He's throwing football. He tackles me. He's, uh, he's superheroes. It's it's all of it, man. That's you awesome. Know? Tom will tell what he uh, ends up really, really digging. But, yeah, yeah, he loves it all. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that you're, that uh, Jared Neiman cut got you your first publishing deal. Who was that with? It was uh, – Man, it was a, it was a, not the best deal I could have taken at the time. <laughs> Looking back now, it was a company called Music Mill, and it was one of those. It was your your typical first pub deal kind kind of things where, you know, hey, I'll give you you know eight hundred a month or whatever, and take all your publishing, Ugh. and that high kind of deal. And you know, yeah. I didn't know any better. It was uh, it was kind of like a. Hey, here's extra 800 bucks a month. Heck yeah. You know, yeah. uh, when you're selling t-shirts, that's a whole lot of money, you know? Yeah. Um, but I took it for the first couple of years and, and, uh, then I signed with, uh, after two years of that, I signed with Dallas Davidson and played again music Yeah, man. and, uh, rode with there for five years and had a fantastic time. Um, I love those guys and, and, uh, had some good success there and, and uh, after those five years were up, you know, I felt like it was a good time t- to move on. And and, uh, and now I'm with Curb. So, with yeah. Curb? Cool. Yeah. Um, who were you writing with when you first got that music mail deal? 
You know, um, it was it was a lot of people that they would put me with. So it was a lot of uh, a lot of guys like uh, Mark Sherrill. I got you know guys oh, okay. had hit a de- decades ago. You know, yeah. Um, so I didn't really <laughs> didn't really like write right. I feel like until I got with Dallas, and then yeah. then I was able to write with uh, you know more more you know better caliber songwriters. Um, but when I was with Tyler, I would, I would be in the room with writers, you know, the A-list writers because they're writing with Tyler. Yeah. So I was getting the luxury of writing with an artist and an A-list writer because Tyler would bring me in on things. Mm-hmm. So I got to, I got to write up. I always tell people, you know, if you ever want to get better at writing, you write up, you write Absolutely. with somebody better than you. And I got to do that at a really young age, you know, and dude, look, songwriting is, is one of those things where you're constantly learning, you know, yeah. I'm. I'm never going to be – if we could say, hey, look, we've mastered songwriting, we could write a song a month and be rich for the rest of our life, right? Yep. It just don't work that way. So I'm, I'm constantly writing up to this day. But back then, from a very green, very, very green songwriter, I was writing with people I, would, I shouldn't have been in the room with. Yeah. And it helped accelerate my uh, writing at, at a faster rate than, than a lot of guys. I think both those scenarios help you figure out what your own strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah, because like you say, you're writing with somebody you maybe shouldn't be in the room with. Well, you figure also out what their weaknesses are, and then yeah. you're writing up and you figure out, oh man, my weaknesses are totally different. My strengths are totally different than what I thought they were. Hundred percent, man. It's like, hey, look what what makes you valuable in that room that yeah. day? Yeah, you know yeah. what makes them want to call you back and write again. You got to find that out. You yeah. know, in every room, you got to find out what your strength is. What makes you yourself valuable. It's funny what you said about writing with Jared that first time that you said he wrote 95% of the song because you were scared to say anything. Yeah. And man, you know, I mean, the guys you write with now, sometimes that's just how it is. You've got it yeah. all happening and you write 95% of the song, but you know, next time you sit down and your kid's sick or you had a fight with your wife and they write 95 and I always just figured, man, it all evens out at the end of the day. hundred percent. Um, I don't even think I back then just getting started. I don't even think I was capable to keep up with, with where he was headed. You know, yeah. at least now I feel like okay, we got this title. I know how to at least I figure I, I know well enough now how to get there. But back then, man, I don't even think I had I had the, uh, you know, the know how to even get to the hook at the time. Yeah. You know, it was like yeah. I was just so young and and Jared's such a pro, you know, and and he's just so good. You know, I just kind of, kind of let him steer the ship. But I'll say this, man: like, no matter you know how many number ones you got to your name, there is also something that writers have to learn. And it's just, just what you say: it's, it's when to shut up. You yeah. know, if somebody's hot and somebody's on a roll. <laughs> it's okay to shut up. Yeah. You know, it, it's okay to sit back and let them do their thing and help when you can, but not mess up that momentum that's building in the room because yeah. he's on something. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's such a fine line because you got to know when to shut up. You also got to know when to not be so self-censoring because, you know, you're always going to have that line like, you know, man, what do you think she would do if she was doing this? And it's like, well, that's a stupid line, but it might get the other person to the next line. It's like, 100%. oh, crap, I never even thought about that. What if we took that and did this? That's always – that's a pretty yeah, fine man. line to do. 100%, especially with the artists in the room, you know, because yeah. you don't – you want him to to put what he wants, but you know when you get a little 
little older in the writing room, you, you say, oh, well, that, that line is just really not right. And I know it's not right, but that's an artist saying that line. You know? right. <laughs> so sometimes you, you battle that too, but, you know. I, I love when you're writing with an artist and, and they'll go like, well, you know, I wouldn't really say that. I, I wouldn't say that. And they all day long, I'm, yeah, but you know what? I, I'm not going to sing about that. You, okay, well, let's change it to this. And then at the end of the day, you go, man, you like, you think this might, you know, you want to demo this or you may, may want to cut this or something. And they go, no, I don't, I don't even really like this song or something. It's like, what the crap? <laughs> <laughs> what did we do all day long, man? Stack them up and don't look back, man. It's just part of it. It's Absolutely. Like baseball. You just keep swinging, man. Hopefully you, you'll swing one, connect on one. <laughs> <laughs> well, who are the main guys you write with? Oh man, you I know, know it's, a, uh, it's a bunch. It, it it is. It's uh, you know, I got the guys I look up to that I write with a lot, the Jeff Stills and Be- Casey Bethard and guys like that. Uh, you know, um, but it's it's a little bit of everybody. Connie Harrington, Randy Montana, all those guys. Yeah. Um, just a little bit of everybody, man. I mean, uh, Rodney Clawson. I mean, you kind of name it. We've we've hashed something out at some point, you know? Yeah. Is there anybody you still would like to write with that you haven't? I mean, you I know, know, I still not wrote with, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I still not wrote with Ashley. Oh uh, yeah. That's probably one of the few that I've still not wrote with yet. Um, Ashley Gorley. Yeah. He yeah. just did. It's just one of those things where we, we'll text about it and, and we got artists lined up this, that, and other, and, and it just don't happen. You know, yeah. things just happen and, and we, something happens and we got to reschedule and then out of nowhere a, a pandemic hits or whatever, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, he's probably one of the, one of the last ones that I've not been able to jump in the room with that, uh, that, uh, I love to, but hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll happen, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's been on the books. It just hadn't happened yet. Have you been doing a lot of writing with zoom or you've been do- trying to do face to face or what? Um, you know, at first I was so anti-Zoom, but uh, but I've kind of come to like it a little bit. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to be a tool moving forward regardless. You know, if an artist is on the bus in Wisconsin, they got this idea that's burning their soul that they want to ride with you at 9 o'clock and you're in Nashville, you know, you got to be able to jump on Zoom and write with them now. Yeah. You know, I think it's a tool moving forward that uh, that's going to be really great for everybody. So when I looked at it in that mindset, I said, okay, well, I got to make myself whether like it, you know, whether I like it or not, I got to be good at it. Where, yeah. where the guys can call me up and, and they know they don't go, Oh, I know Houston hates his own. Let's call somebody else, right. you know, just, just figure it out, you know? Um, but yeah, I've kind of come to like it, you know, every, every writer's different, you know, every personality is different. Some of them talk a lot or they're loud in the room and some of them are more quiet and then they'll spit out four lines. It's perfect. You know, so yeah. each each guy is 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 more suitable for Zoom, uh, and some are less. So the ones that like to be a little louder, and we like to bang guitars, and and that's how we write. I, I try to keep it in the room, um, but we've done quite a bit of Zoom, man. It's actually turned out just fine. I'll be honest like, with you, dude. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. I mean, I I've done that, and also sat in a room where you're sitting all the way across the room, where you're both wearing masks, and it's like, man, this is the most this yeah. is way more awkward to me than zoom yeah yeah the close buddies like you know i mentioned randy montana and some guys like that we're we're not only co-writers but we're best friends we live right down the road from each other so guys like that 
we still get together in yeah. in person. You know, you close buddy type riders, but uh, but if I got a guy that you know that just is is more older and high risk, you know, yeah. I respect. I'll definitely zoom with them, no problem. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've like I said, I've kind of somewhat started to enjoy it because I started getting good songs once I you know set my mind to hey, this is how it's going to be. Yeah. We started getting good songs out of it, and I was like, well, what's the difference now? You know, we're getting good songs on Zoom. We're getting good songs in person. You know, whatever they feel comfortable doing, I'm I'm for now. What are you doing for, for demos? you still full band stuff? Are you trying to just do guitar vocals? Are you did Pro Tooling at home by yourself? All the above? You know, um, that's a great question. So what I've been doing is letting, uh, letting uh, Justin Ostrander, whoever's leading my session, Usually I'll let them build the track at home and what they'll do okay. is they'll, they'll build the track guitar and all that stuff and they'll send it back to me. I'll lay a scratch on it and then they'll just send it out to the same A-list band we'd have in the studio and they'll just cut it from their house and send it back, cut it from their house, send it back drums, keyboard, whatever it is. So basically you got a demo of overdubs, yeah. but it really sounds no different as if you was to cut it in the studio. We did do one session two weeks ago full band me and julian king we did a session had the full band there and it was great but that was the first full session since the pandemic hit yeah it's been a lot of hey i'll send the work tape in to you know rob Nelly or you know adam schofield or whoever's whoever wants to to build the track and they'll just send it out and uh and have everybody overdub on it and send it back yep that's great it's turned man. out great man yeah it's great that's cool Man, I was looking at your Facebook, and you're talking about Seventh Well in Chattanooga. Yeah. What is yeah. that? So uh, my sister uh, runs a nonprofit down there. Okay. And uh, it's, a, uh, it's a restoration house for uh, victims of sex slavery. Oh, so man. these, Yeah, man. She's, she's special, dude. She, uh, it just takes a special person to, uh, yeah, no doubt. to tackle something like that. But what they do is uh, – you know, as they rescue people out of sex slavery, when you hear stuff on the news, you know, a lot of those girls will end up coming to their, their restoration house and it's a rehabilitated, uh, process for like nine months. And then, uh, they help them get a job and that whole deal. And then they, they go out on their own again, you know, cause a lot of what people don't understand is a lot of the, the victims they end up right back in it because they don't know how to survive without it, you know, yeah. cause they've been in it so long. So her goal yeah. is to to build not only their mental confidence, but uh, get them capable to to just leave that in the past and, and start over and get them a new job and all sorts of therapy and all this stuff that goes along with it. So, uh, yeah, that's what she does back home in Chattanooga, and um, that's awesome. And man. I try to raise as much money as I can for for their house that they have and everything. Yeah, that's kind of kind of what. Uh, kind of my side project i help yeah. out with that as much as i can that military those are my two two big ones yeah you know you're talking about uso trips and stuff you ever done a, a mission trip or anything i've not done a mission trip yet um I, I think it's definitely something something in the in the works but yeah. uh our church they go to uh they go to africa and india i think and they talk about it they go once a year and they talk about it all the time and I know I need to go, man. It's just been like, dude, this year's just been so crazy. It's like, I don't I know even it. know if I want to go to Kroger at this point. Dude, <laughs> like, I'm with you. Especially Africa. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely something that hopefully 
hopefully God willing, uh, we'll be able to do. But it's just been so weird lately. It's like, man, I don't even know, don't even know where to go, where not to go right now. You know? Yeah, getting on an airplane still kind of freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, I've still not done the airplane thing yet. Uh, a lot of my buddies have, but I've still. Yeah. You know, nothing's really came up that I needed to go. So I'm just like, okay, well, I'll just, unless I have to go, I'll just kind of stay here at the house. <laughs> or I'll just drive. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, man, you have a, a few more minutes. You want to do my lightning round? Yeah, well, let's do it. I don't, I, let's, uh, don't make it too tough on me. But no, I'm no, good. no, no. I'm just going to pop a question to you and just first thing that pops into your head or whatever, just okay. shout it out. Okay. What, What's your favorite book? Uh, well, obviously the Bible, but uh, the Lone Survivor book's pretty awesome. And Fearless. Oh, yeah. If you've not read Fearless, oh, my gosh. If you want to read any military Navy SEAL book, read Fearless. It's okay. incredible. I've read Lone Survivor. I have not read Fearless. Are you, a are you a bath or a shower guy? <laughs> shower all day, man. I ain't got time for a bath, dude. I barely get a shower in. <laughs> What's the last gift you gave someone? A Bible, actually. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, a songwriter buddy of mine didn't have one, and uh, I got him one. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. What's the first concert you saw? How old were you, and did you get a T-shirt? <laughs> no T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> this is crazy. Probably Rascal Flats in, like, high school, I guess, would probably be my first one. Yeah, we were singing I Mailed all the way back home that day. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> they would be proud to know that yeah <laughs> do you collect anything i do uh, i'm a i'm a gun guy uh, okay. i got uh i'm a big collector of guns i got a huge gun safe um probably got over 40 i'd say now Dang, but nice. uh yeah just different all, all different kinds of, i love investing in guns what's missing from your collection Whatever the newest model that just right. came out of everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like you get, uh, you know, fair share of shotguns, and all of a sudden something new comes out. Uh, yeah, I'd probably, if I was going to go buy something now, it'd probably just be another, uh, probably the new Gen, Gen 5 uh, Glock 40, probably the newest one, probably nice. be my, my, my new favorite. I just got this little guy, little Kimber, Ultra Carry oh, 2. Yeah. Love it, love, love it. I love Kimbers, man. Yeah, but man. You, I don't have any Kimbers. I need, I need to check into it. There you go. You also have. You're a guitar guy, though, right? Too. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's missing from that collection? Man. Um. I know that's. You know, I don't do too. a lot. I don't do a lot of electric playing. Um. So probably just a a Les Paul would probably yeah. be my biggest miss in my my guitar collection. A lot of my stuff's just acoustic. Um. So I'd probably love to have a, a Les Paul and just dig in more electric tones. You know, it's yeah. tough, man. It's like, dude, it's gonna take me a long time to get to the level where I'm satisfied on electric, right? And I work with so many talented electric players. It's like, why well, put forth all that effort and energy? When I know I'm not, I'm not going to be better than these guys that spent their whole life on electric guitar, you know? So yeah. it's like one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I could do it. I'd be cool and all this stuff, but it's just not a need right now. Yeah. You know, I'm around so many talented guys that, that that's what they do good. You know, I, I so. har hardly ever write on electric. 
Yeah, yeah, we never do. It's either uh, it's either guitar, or piano, or both. You know, whatever. So it's like, yeah, I'd love to love to dig into that Les Paul stuff, but man, you know, you work with Derek Wells and and those guys, and you're like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll maybe I'll let them do lecture. Yeah. <laughs> well, come out to my house. You can play some. <laughs> Heck yeah, buddy. What's your uh, What's your favorite song? Hmm. Uh, man. Golly, that's a I know tough it's one. hard, isn't it? Yeah, um, you know, you, you got the Garth stuff, you know, the dance, you know, and stuff like that, which are just so well, well written. Um, man, I don't know, I don't know what a favorite song would be. Oh, yeah. uh, man, you know, I got my top 10. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just tough because here's the deal man like i've got you listen to a song so differently than most people listen right you listen lyrically and then you also listen production wise so like a great example of 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 a top 10 production wise song would be like sean mendez mercy Mm -hmm. i think like the production inside that song is just so great you know um that would be a top 10 for me because of the production yeah. lyrically you know a top 10 would, would be like the dance or something because mm-hmm. of lyric you know um so yeah i listen to different things than just just a favorite song um you know air church puts out a lot of great stuff too you know yeah. a lot of his you know ones i loved along the way and stuff like that um yeah, man, it, it'd be tough to pick pick just one. I can I can launch a list a few for various reasons, but yeah, <laughs> yeah one you got me stumped on that one because I just have to I'd have to really dig on that one. What's the favorite song that you wrote? Whether it was a a cut, a hit, never been heard by anybody but you. Yeah, I had a song idea that came from the preacher Paul Harvey, and uh, his sermon was back in 1965, and it said, "If I were the devil." I would take prayer out of school. I would do all these things that are coming true today. You know, from 1965, it's a great sermon, man. You can YouTube it. And I had this idea forever. I had it for almost two years. And, Hmm. and you know how some ideas you just, you hang on to and, and you just know the right writer that you need to bring it up to, you know, it was like every day I go in, I'm like, man, is this, is this the right that I need to bring this up? And, and for whatever reason, Trent Thomason, I was writing with him that day, and he jumped on the piano, and he started playing some One Wing in the Fire stuff, you know, over there on the piano. And and I just felt like it was the right day to do it. So I, I pulled it out, and I said, man, I got this idea. And I had wrote – dude, I wrote almost five pages of lyrics on this thing already because mm-hmm. it just constantly harp on me, you know. And uh, it was a day that I thought we were just going to say, you know what, we're not writing for money. We're just going to write this really – cool idea that actually yeah. means something and it actually ended up getting cut on aaron lewis and he played on fox and the whole nine yards and that's cool it was really fun to see something that we thought would never you know yeah. never make an album take life you know um it didn't make me the most money but it made it, it just made me feel good that that country music yeah, in man. general it, it is in in a spot now where songs with substance that mean something that's just trying to change a life yeah they can get cut you yeah. know so that opens you up the next time you go in the room you know absolutely jess Steele said something one, to me one time first time we ever wrote he said don't ever underestimate people out there wanting to hear a song that'll change their life yeah 
And I just felt like that was not an accurate statement for a long time in this genre. And I feel like it's it's coming back to that now. Yeah. I mean, you watch the, the ACMs and CMAs, they're storytelling songs on there again. You know, yeah, I'm really sure. excited where this genre is turning to. Really yeah, excited. I think, I think when we get done with this COVID stuff and we start hearing some of this new stuff that's being written and recorded, I think there's going to be some flat, amazing songs coming out of this by people that we may not have expected it from. And it's going to be cool. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'd, I'm never, you're never going to find me on a podcast or even in a room, just two cowboys had a fence, you know, knocking anybody because I think everybody, I think there's a, there's a spot for every little piece oh, that makes up country music genre. I think as long as there's room for a little bit of everything, I think it's all great for the genre, you know? Man, that's um, what I always used to say about like, Taylor Swift, somebody would go, do you like Taylor Swift's music? And I'll go, dude, it's been a long time since I was an 18-year-old girl. Right. She's not really writing for me, but how do I say that this person that's selling out stadiums, it's bad? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'd be an 100%. idiot to say that. And she's an incredible songwriter, man. Absolutely. You look at some of her stuff, it's just she's an incredible songwriter. And, and as a songwriter, man, you got to have respect for those people, you know? You just yep. do. What would you be doing if you weren't writing songs? I'd be a car man. It's, would you really? Yeah, that's kind of in my blood. And, and even to this day, I can't get away from it, man. Like, you know, I got famous buddies that are they're athletes or songwriters. Dude, they call me for trucks to this day. Yeah. Uh, three weeks ago, Jimmy Butler called me and bought a truck when he was in the bubble playing in the playoffs <laughs> for my dad. It's like, that's hey, awesome. man, I need a – yeah, uh, you know, really cool jacked up truck, but I don't know anything about trucks or jacking them up. You just just fix me one up. I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, okay, yeah, sure, whatever, yeah. So I, I think being in the cars uh, would <laughs> probably, unfortunately, be where I'd be right now. That's awesome, man. Well, what's next for you? Uh, you know, um, production has really it's it's interesting, man. It's like. With us, we're so weird, man. We always need something to spark us creativity, creative, creatively. There you go. You need something yes. to spark you. Um, and right now, production's got my creative energy. So I've cool. been doing, working with um, some of these young acts that are just getting record deals, and we're going to the studio and finding their their sound, you know, and and really working hard on on getting the best vocal out of them. Um, so production is really you know, spark me getting the shadows, some of the great producers in town. And, uh, also being with curve now they have word, which is the Christian yeah. music. And I've really been dying to dip into that for a while. It's just not presented itself. Uh, you know, the opportunity is just not presented itself, but up until now. So I'm excited to get into that genre a little bit with the Zach Williams and people like that. And, um, just, just something to spark me, man, you know, yeah. uh, that's all I'm looking for. The moment I get dull is when I'm just, man, I might as well go sell cars, you know, yeah. when that creative energy just kind of, kind of fades out, man, that, I'm always searching for something to spark me. I don't care what it is, what genre. I'm just, I'm always searching, always searching, always searching. Oh, and that's really cool. How'd they do that? Yeah. You know, and figure it out and apply it and to what I do. Didn't that stuff never ends either. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's the cool thing about music though, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Well, dude, I'll get out of your hair, man. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you, man. It's been too long. I know, man. We'll have to do a get-together, and uh, I'll bring over some steaks or something. Come on. Come on. Let's do it. Well, dude, man, I hope your son gets feeling better, and have a great day. Awesome, Bart. Well, thank you so much for having me.
Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. See you, bro. Okay, bye-bye. Later, man.